0: I've
1: always taught my own daughter and our employees and all of our brands that I, I want to take pride in our surroundings and I want to take pride in the small part.
0: This is The Playbook, where I give you access each week to the world's greatest athletes and executives about their personal and professional playbook and what has made them champions on and off the field. This is The Playbook. I have the extraordinary Chad Belding, the hunter and TV star of the Foul Life podcaster. and why i want him on the playbook is this man has a playbook to success starting with a baseball career at the university of nevada reno and moving to an entrepreneurial venture which led him to be a renowned tv star and uh just a great personality uh chad welcome to the playbook thank you my man how you doing I'm doing great and I am so excited. I know we got a couple podcast swaps and things going on, but I wanna to get to the playbook to success because you've been successful since you were young. Uh, what do you attribute you know, the success you had in baseball, entrepreneurial success, podcast success, TV show success? There has to be a common denominator, some sort of spirit within you. What do you think those characteristics are that allow you to move and change and grow, but be successful in everything that you do?
1: I think a lot of it had to do with the mindset or the ideology of the small game. Um, My baseball career was all about the small game. I had the occasional home run, but I was a station to station player. And I really like coaches that always taught me about what it meant to think about the small part of the game and the intricate details of the game. And I think that going into an entrepreneurial career and developing that entrepreneurial spirit, I was able to take the lessons from my coaches and the lessons from my mom and dad, that the little things are the pieces of that puzzle that need to be put in place to form that foundation of what can lead to success. And if you don't build your success with you know, starting with the foundation, chances are some of it might fall apart, you know, the analogy of a house and a foundation is the same thing. So whether it was bunting a guy over or hitting your cutoff man and not necessarily trying to throw the guy out at home plate with all over the cutoff man's head, I always tried to play the game that it was intended to be played. And then as I moved on to my business career, I tried to do that through communication and transparency and passion and spirit. And I think that the small part of it, Dave, is like, I've always taught my own daughter and our employees and all of our brands that I want to take pride in our surroundings and I want to take pride in the small part. So if you see something that you can do that will lead to a greater success any given day, then let's do that. If you walk by a piece of garbage that's in the office or on the property, let's have pride in picking that up and making sure that our surroundings represent us and our common goals that we're trying to achieve, whether it's a short term, midterm or long term goal. So I think that ideology and that mindset of, hey, let's do the small things. Let's come together as a team to where everybody knows their role and we're all achieving these small, intricate details every day, then the big pieces of the puzzle will start to take shape and then we'll be able to formulate a plan to execute those as well.
0: Well, a guy who's been around in the eighties and nineties, probably appreciates Tony La Russa and especially the St. Louis Cardinals, not to tie into the foul game itself, uh, but they, they were running the small ball for years. And uh, in that you started small businesses, but what was interesting is I was curious, what came first, the content? part or the merchandising part of, you know, what you did in in creating the Foul Life television? My first
1: business that I ever did was, you know, before the Foul Life, I was a a construction site services. I had, I was a, a toilet pumper pretty much. I had portable toilets and I had stormwater pollution prevention and environmental street sweeping. And I got an opportunity to, you know, in the fall when things slowed down construction wise, we would be invited to go on some hunts with some different production and that led to some stuff work with Ducks Unlimited and Delta Waterfowl and Zinc Calls and Avery Outdoors. And in 2006, I was on a trip with um, Ducks Unlimited and one of the producers of the show after the trip asked me, hey, would you ever be interested in doing a show around your life and your personality?" And I said, man, that'd be awesome. So my entrepreneurial mind kicked off of like, what should we call it? Who should we get to sponsor it? You know, I'd been competition duck calling and goose calling for years and having some success, mainly getting smoked on stage, but having success in the networking angle of being at these events and learning about the industry and the people that played a role in this industry. And I said, heck yeah, I want to try it. So we started developing this plan for a TV show. One thing led to another and the owner of, of that production company in Oklahoma, his mom got ill and Mayo Clinic and finances and time commitment and her illness kind of took him away from our game plan. And I asked him, I, I said, would you mind if I did this on my own? And he said, go for it. Good luck. Keep me posted. So that day I'm literally sitting in my, my toilet office and I lean back in my chair and in my office, Dave, I have this huge like these geese you see behind me i have a pedestal mount which means it's out in the open it's these nine green-headed mallard ducks coming through flooded timber emulating a scene of, of flooded timber duck hunting in arkansas and all of them are banded the, the government bans migratory waterfowl so they could pattern them through their migratory routes and I, I named the, the mount Strike Up the Band. And I said, I wonder if I could name a company Banded. So I called my intellectual property attorney in Vegas and I said, Hey, I want to try to get with the USPTO and try to reserve this name Banded. I'm like, There's no way we're going to get it. And somebody's got this name. It's so significant with this lifestyle of waterfowl hunting. And sure, sure enough, we got it. And I'm like, No freaking way. So that was our first company we started was Banded Productions. And we went to air with the foul life in the fall they actually the summer of 2009 was season one we're getting ready to air season third we're airing season 13 currently on the outdoor channel we're getting ready to start filming season 14 which is mind-blowing in itself but as soon as that first episode went to air we started getting inundated with emails like, what shirt are you wearing what color are you blowing what boat are you driving what utv are you running and i'm like the money is okay with the partners and the sponsors that pay you to be on TV and, and cover your nut, but the real money was in manufacturing. So the first company I started off of that TV show was Banded Gear. And UFC was just now gaining a ton of momentum, in my opinion, that mid 2005 to 2011 is when Tap Out was really getting big. They had their show on the Spike Network to wear mask and skyscraper, and The guys were going around looking for a local fighter. And their merchandise was in your face. And then there was affliction was kind of in your face, full frontal design. So I said, I want to come up with a clothing company that's kind of redneck meets UFC meets affliction meets tap out, but more of a modern day, Hey, we're hunters and we're proud of it. You don't really have to just have a shirt that you would see in your normal sporting goods store that your dad was maybe wearing. You know, that sounds kind of weird to say now that I'm in my forties, but, um, our first design came off of a Guns N' Roses song called "Double Talk and Jive" that Axel had on *Use Your Illusion* one, and I, geese do this communication vocabulary piece called "Double Clucking." And so I named this shirt "Double Cluck and Jive," and I had this artist to draw these two geese facing off, kind of talking smack to each other. I wore it on the show, Dave, and people are like. Where do I get that shirt? Where do I get that shirt? So that's how it started. Was a T-shirt, and then that grew into the next year. We added Banded calls, and Cabela's added twenty-two hundred calls with their first purchase order. So then Banded was starting to. We had a production company. Now we had an apparel company. Now we had a game call company. And then in two thousand eleven is when the big thing hit. Where a, a buyer at Cabela's, we were in Vegas at the Shot Show, which is the biggest hunting show in the country, and he had come to us and said, "We're onto something with this name, Banded." But it's bigger than a T-shirt and a duck call. So that's when we went seeking capital, telling our story, and finding the money to get what Bandit is now today, which is out. You know, it's over thirty-five hundred SKUs of men's, women's, children's outerwear, um, decoys. You name it, we're in it, and it all started that way. And it just kind of kept progressing with a lot of focus on, hey, what does the consumer want? We're going We're in the field all the time. We can test these products before we put them out on market or go to market with them. And that's kind of how Bandit was born.
0: You know, two incredible things about you. I was just begging to have you on the podcast is number one, you have this innate ability to tell stories so well. Like, I feel like I'm at summer camp or down, you know, when I was blessed to go to school in Louisiana at Tulane and I meet, you know, Grandpa Noe out there in the bayou. And I'd sit there going, I am bored shitless in law school. I just want to sit here all weekend, you know, drinking, eating crawfish. With this guy telling me stories, you know, where did the storytelling capability that you have uh, come from? Is it a family trade or did you, you know, I know you public speak, obviously, and, and you do it n- well now, but I know you've always been able to tell these stories. W- where did that come from?
1: I think a lot of it had to do like exactly what you're just saying when you're in a place like Louisiana and getting to travel the country and see so much going on. In so many different areas, whether it was Manitoba or Ontario or Alberta or Saskatchewan, or but whether it was down in, in Peru or Chile or Uruguay or Argentina. And then you have the continental United States where you, we get to travel, we're free, we have the privilege of being an outdoorsman here. So my dad growing up, campfire stories and joke time and what they would call quote unquote you know boy time man time i had two brothers so it was dad and three brothers and mom was a nurse and putting herself through nursing school and getting her masters becoming a nurse practitioner there was a lot of time to where It was dad and his boys and dad's friends and my godfather, Lauren Biglier my uncle Mel. And they taught us the ways of pretty much the right way to tell a story, which there is some embellishing. There is some exaggeration. You can't be afraid to throw a little in. We're not trying to be on, on, you know, we're not on trial right now under oath saying like, this is the truth. If you're telling a fishing story or a deer story, or dad would talk about tent stories and how bears would come into camp and you'd see the shadow of the claws. And so I think with me growing up and being able to travel, And then all of a sudden I started to see how hunting was this common denominator that brought all of these walks of life together. I mean, what is a duck hunter doing on a leading entrepreneur podcast like yourself? What am I doing at a kid rock concert? What am I doing backstage at a Zach Brown show? How am I with a three-star admiral that was a Navy seal and has done over 150 missions for our military? How does a duck hunter from Nevada get that? And I started to see that it was bigger than the pull of that trigger or the flight of that arrow. It was about that campfire, the stories, the memories, the camaraderie, the culture, the history, pretty much everything that went into my being was what I was taught at an early age of telling that story. Now I got to see stories unfold right in front of my eyes. So getting into TV production or podcasting or creating commercials and content now for social media, because we all know how important social media is, which is another topic all by itself. But I started to see like, man, I could get into a thing of being passionate, and showing people like I'm so humbled by this lifestyle and I I have so much humility to be able to stand by a world-class musician or a three-star Admiral or a fighter pilot or a baseball player or a janitor that whistles Dixie when he's cleaning the local gym at night to make sure our kids have a clean place to go to school. Hunting brought all of us together. So I was able to see all of these stories and all of these details unfolding right in front of my eyes where, oh my gosh, Zach Brown is playing chicken fried at a fire. And I'm literally three feet from them all because both of our admiration for mother nature, the Lord above, and what was going on in those woods of Arkansas or wherever we were. So <clears throat> I took pride, Dave, in the little things. Like I started this conversation with your first question was that dog shaking the water off, that that alarm going off, that coffee pot making the clubhouse smell the way it does. So I was able to like dictate this production stance of like all right we're going to show the lifestyle we're going to want we're going to have people wanting to ride in the truck with us and live through us vicariously through our stories through our visions through everything that we tell through tv podcasting social media live events whatever and it stuck people started saying wow you guys are with the race car driver nascar and major leagues hockey whatever and i think it was because people really saw more than just an animal being harvested in it i never wanted it to be about the kill dave because i have so much compassion for the animals we pursue and so much respect for the resource that i wanted it to be about conservation the environment farming ranching and americans and worldwide people that love the outdoors and how it all comes together and all of these different walks of life can be won through hunting and the outdoors and that's how bandit and all of our companies were built
0: and you have this curiosity you know, with that small game, when you're looking for the details, you know, it takes uh, the ability to be more interested than interesting, which, you know, regulates itself as you become more popular and your brand, your brand grows as well. But one of the other things I've noticed about you and I notice about people is, you know, I come from more a formal background with my single mom. Right. So it wasn't, you know, out out there with the, the woods. It was more, you know, doctor, lawyer, failure and business acumen was acquired through books and professors, you know, not through conversations and witnessing the small details. And yet, you know, I played sports the exact same way you did. And so although our backgrounds are completely diverse, we ended up with a shared experience, especially after we graduated college, um, by utilizing what we learned through experience more than what we learned in the books about business. And you have this acumen of being able to see where value is and, you know, was it through the conversations or just witnessing because you tie together, you know, I know the founders of tap out, right. I know the stories of a lot of the apparel brands and, you know, Cabela's, I believe it or not, the board I sit on for the Olympics is USA shooting. Uh, you know, so I'm around, you know, the bullet companies and, and, and everyone, but you have a real, you know, Harvard MBA from somewhere. Where did you learn the business aspects to put those dots together like you've been able to do?
1: I mean, I, I, I think that college taught me networking and juggling, but I think that my ability to develop a foundation, like we talked about earlier, Dave, was so key in how do you make somebody remember you how do you make somebody want to invite you back what is the secret of being able to get to be in a circle or be a leader and have the trust and try to develop that consistency or that snowball effect you know and try to gain that momentum to get people around you to believe in your same vision and your common goal i i remember 18 years old in vegas Playing baseball. And you said University of Nevada, Reno at the beginning, it was University of Nevada, Las Vegas, even though I did graduate from Reno later on, but I was a running rebel for, for my college baseball. Much better and, baseball team. Yeah. <laughs> well, much historically, I don't know about now, but anyway, they, um, I, I was, I was getting invited to do things like, wow, man, I'm on a bus at a, a concert. I met a, a person that had an in with a rock band and I got to know their guys in the band and they, they're like, Hey man, come out anytime. And then after that, it was a boxing match. And I was like sitting third row for George Foreman, Michael Moore, you know? And I was like, and that was all because I I was introduced to somebody and I wasn't, I didn't want to be fake. I wanted to be passionate. I wanted to show him like, man, I really know the fight game. This is how I know the fight game because... I grew up watching all of these fighters from Sugar Ray to Marvis Marvin Hager to Ray Boom Boom Mancini to George Foreman, you name it. They all trained in Tahoe and Reno. So and then they in Reno used to be the fight capital of the world before Vegas was. So they were all fighting at the casinos up here in the convention center. So that guy's like, man, you got a huge love for the fight game. So all of a sudden now I'm in the mix in the fight game in vegas in the mid 90s going to these big fights i was at so many de la hoya fights and tyson McNeely. i was at Riddick bow and and evander holyfield when the fan man flew into the outdoor arena at caesar's palace so i think that the key to it dave was is the business side of it showed me early of like if i can get people to want to be around me the next step is If I have a message I want to deliver or a brand I want to grow or a product I want to be part of developing, I can get people to believe in that through passion, not pulling the wool over their eyes, showing them this is what life's about. It's about being humble. It's about being transparent. It's about going, Hey, this is me. I wear my feelings and my emotions on my sleeve. I want to take this brand or this messaging to the next level. And I think I learned at an early age to answer your question. I know I'm long-winded is that it's all about Getting people to believe in you, and there's a reason why you get invited on back. There's a reason why if you thought that I was generic, or if you thought that I didn't have a legit message, I've already been on your Instagram live. You would have picked me apart. You're smart enough to know you have great intellect and the ability to look at people and go, Yeah, I don't think that that guy is going to be right for the entrepreneurial podcast and the game plan. I don't that you invited me back for a reason. Now, do we have a mutual friend in Marlin? Yes, but you are the you are the guy that would say. Yes or no, okay? So I think that that is the key to it in my my short business career so far is getting people to believe in that message, that product, that brand, that end goal. (laughs) We just started a company called The Provider. There's so many dry rubs out there. There's so many cookbooks out there. The response to this brand, Dave, has been amazing. People, retail outlets wanting it, people calling us and beating down our doors to put it in because they see the messaging, they see the re, the realism in it of like, holy smokes. It is cool to live off the land. It is cool to take pride in becoming what I call a backyard aficionado. Do you have confidence to go out and grill for 20 people and serve that wild game or that domestic beef or pork or vegetables or dessert, whatever it is, and have your friends be like, wow, man, this is unbelievable. Do you have that confidence of a man or woman to be able to live off the land and grow a garden or harvest an animal, know where your food comes from, and people are catching on to that. I, I don't I didn't want to grow the brand of, hey, I'm the world's best barbecue There's millions. <laughs> I'm, I'm average at best. I'm an average duck caller at best. I am average at all of this. I just wanted to show people that even if you are average, you through passion and pride and commitment and focus and dedication, you can become the best version of yourself every day so even if you never win the jack daniels or the houston or memphis and may barbecue championships or the royal in kansas city you can become a champion in your backyard and have your parties and your barbecues being the talk of the town and there's no better feeling than in the world than being famous in a small town country music guys write about it all the time so that was my messaging is hey let's kick ass together let's show Uh, all of everybody in the world that we take pride in what our front yard looks like and what happens in our backyard. And now people are like, how do I become a provider? And I think that that all came out of our dedication and focus on Believe in us. Believe in what we're saying. We're not trying to tell you that you have to be a hunter. We're not trying to tell you that you know how to tie a knot and catch a bass or a walleye or a halibut in Alaska. We're trying to tell you that no matter if you get your beef at the local supermarket, the farmer's market, or you live off the land like we do, we can all be providers. And my dad always taught me, you're put on this earth to work and provide for your family. And that's what I wanted to get out there. Is like, we are all providers in one way or another. And now the brand is, is, is going to blow up, I think
0: yeah and your beef brand as well american almond beef and it's like all these small ideas just turn into huge impactful businesses and content that people you know transcend into their daily lives into their backyards like you you talked about you know the best residential steak maybe or whatever it may be holds its own crown over the royal itself last thing real quickly your podcast you know almost 250 episodes this life ain't for everybody. You know, my, my podcast is about kind of the Napoleon Hill perspective of taking all these different people with a certain spirit, which is why I, I invited you onto it. Right. You carry that spirit of excellence. And I had to, you know, learn more and you just, you know, hit it out of the park, no pun intended. So what, what, even though you're a small guy, uh, small ball guy, you hit a grand slam here. But what, what's the purpose of your podcast? You know, it's obviously by the title and by the people you've had on. It has an intent tied to the content that you're providing.
1: It's uh, I'm a known to be a duck hunter, and I wanted to try to show people that there's so much more to all of us than our exterior shows or what the reputation might be or what the um assumption might be right like you you have to be famous almost all the time to go on letterman or leno or johnny carson or ellen or oprah or any of these shows and now we get to hear their stories you almost you have to be famous to be interviewed by howard stern well then all of a sudden rogan and these early podcasters adam and the guys that really kind of trailblaze this path of podcasting there everybody has a story so i started I, i'm in a bar in midtown nashville called losers um it's right next door to winners i was in losers i don't know why i picked losers over winners but i just did and it felt right and when i got into losers i was like what does that say behind the band and i walked up to it, and it there's these big letters behind the band they're going to hear me telling the story and they're probably going to be pissed but it <laughs> says it says this life ain't for everybody and i took a picture of it and i'm telling you this i'm trying to give you some detail because I have another brand that I started, The Foul Life, that has a duck, the world's globe in a duck's foot. And it says, we merely exist in a duck's world. Because when you become a duck hunter, nothing else matters almost. It's like they control every movie we make, 365 days a year, we think about ducks. So everybody's like, where did you get that idea? And I'm like, I'm sitting in an Irish bar, and I look up to my left, and I see what then I became known as the World Cup logo. And if you Google the World Cup logo, any of your listeners, You'll see that it looks like a mallard duck's foot wrapped around the globe. It almost does. So I'm like, I'm going to have an artist draw that, but with a mallard's foot on it, controlling our world. Then it became deer horns around that, then a turkey's foot. So this one, I go, this life ain't for everybody. I'm going to get with my intellectual property attorney. And just by the luck again, just like with Bandit and all my other intellectual property, I got it. And I'm like, how do they not have that freaking trademark? I got it in apparel. I got it in entertainment. I got it in all podcasting and TV. So I'm like, these guys sell all these shirts and I would never stop them, right? I would never be that guy. But I was like, what does that mean? And in Nashville, it means from Willie to Waylon and the Outlaws to all of these artists that it went, moved there. They got the balls to move to Nashville, Music City, USA, and try to become a country music star. Singer, songwriter, Music Row, 16th and 17th Avenue. So much heritage in this city and so many icons have lived there and some have got dismissed and kicked out of there. That's what it meant then is this life ain't for everybody. Can you live the honky-tonk life? Can you be one of the best? Can you get a record deal? Can you get a publishing deal? Can you sell out stadiums like Garth 10 nights in a row or Kenny Chesney at Gillette or whoever it was? And so I took that and I said, I want to change it to all of our lives aren't for anybody. They're for us. They might not be suitable to you. What I do for you, you might not want to wake up and do what I do. I might not get, I've asked so many veterans and, 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 and special operators and special forces, Dave, like, do you look down on people like me that never entered the military? And you know what the response is? Not one bit. You were put on earth to do what you're doing and you're a warrior for giving back to us the way you do. So obviously my life isn't any better than anybody else's out there. And I'm surely not saying, Hey man, you couldn't do this. If you tried, I'm the best duck hunter in the world. Hell no. I'm saying that you're a janitor and you take pride in it. Like I mentioned before then more power to you, man, because where in the hell would we be without the people that serve a hamburger at McDonald's or the waitress that takes our order at the cafe at five in the morning? Where in the hell would we be? We can't go there and pour our own coffee, go flip our own eggs, go deliver all these plates. My aunt used to hold five plates on each arm. Where in the hell would we be without all of these asses on these seats on this bus we call life? And that's what the podcast meant. So then I started using this network of like, Holy smokes. I just had Travis Trude on my podcast and Walker Bueller and Charlie Blackman, George Brett, my childhood hero. I cooked steaks in George Brett's backyard in, in Scottsdale and Kansas city. Now Dave, what the hell's going on? I'm just a duck hunter from Nevada. So obviously this life ain't for everybody. I was able to say, Hey, George Brett was my. I used to go drive to Oakland to watch him and the Royals play the A's. Ricky Henderson and Dave and Dave Stewart and all against Brett Saberhagen and UL Washington and Frank White. Oh, I could keep naming them. I had so much passion of the Royals versus the A's. I was like, Bo Jackson's right there. There's George Brett. And now I'm cooking with George Brett and having these guys on my podcast. And I, I think it was because of that passion of like, hey, no, George Brett don't give a shit that he's a Hall of Famer. He barely's got any trophies in his house. He just was given a different skill set. He loves to be at the lake or on the golf course or Traeger at a t-bone steak or whatever with his friends and family. And so do we. And that's what I saw is that I don't care what celebrity you are. They're just us with a different skill set and they're good at it. And that's what that podcast was for. Was like, tell your story, George. Tell your story, John Party. But then I turned around and I have Biff, the fighter pilot, that's done over a hundred missions. And I have Brian, another fighter pilot that's done 130 missions. Every story is awesome. And that's what I wanted to get through to people is, hey, don't judge a book by its cover. Don't care about reputation. Get to know somebody before you pass judgment. So the podcast is about stories and saying, hey, let's live life, make a better version of ourselves every day, kick ass together, form a unity and a community, take pride in who you are. And that's what it's become. And now we're, you know, I'm going to keep pushing it and driving it. And hopefully it becomes a brand that stands on its own.
0: You're amazing, man. I got a back quote for you to add to this life ain't for everybody dot, 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 but it can be, and you've proven it. It can be for anybody that believes in it with the passion purpose that you give your life every day and have done even before you started all of these great businesses and all this great content. Chad, man, what a pleasure. I'll tell you what, I drafted right in this draft because you are an incredible guest. Look forward to doing many more things with you. Thank you for all you do and all the inspiration you provide. And may you make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun in your life. Chad Belding, Hunter and TV star of The Foul Life. Of course, his podcast, This Life Ain't For Everybody. Dave Meltzer's version, dot, dot, dot. But it can be if you learn from Chad and others like him.